This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Weekend Review, all things Zoomer Worldwide. I'm Bob Kopsick for Libby's Nimer. Coming up, the world premiere of a documentary on a Canadian icon who was, and continues to be, part of many of our musical soundtracks, Gordon Lightfoot. I'll talk with the two women behind the Gordon Lightfoot documentary, If You Could Read My Mind, Martha Keogh and Joan Tassoni. Also on the show, a closer look at a promising development in restoring age-related memory loss as a new study finds regular electric stimulation to the brain could restore a senior's memory to a level comparable to a healthy young adult. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Millennials earn more than their parents did, but owe a lot more. Statistics Canada compared those aged 25 to 34 with those that age back in 1984. Today's Zoomers, if you will. The Millennials had an after-tax income of just over $44,000 in 2016, compared with just above $33,000 for boomers at the same age. But the main takeaway is, while young people are wealthier than previous generations... Because of pricey home ownership and rising education debt, they're saddled with much more debt than their parents. The medical community is celebrating a first by Israeli researchers who have printed the world's first 3D heart, made using the patient's own cells and biological material. The researchers say the next step is to teach the hearts to behave like human hearts. First, they'll transplant them into animals and eventually into humans within the next decade or so. I'm not sure it's going to serve uh, ourselves in the recent, in the next uh, few years, but uh, for our children, I think it's going to be uh, maybe an amazing uh, opportunity. Heart transplants are usually the only treatment available to patients with end-stage heart failure, and many die while on the waiting list. Heart disease is the second leading cause of death in this country. It's been the longest flu season stateside in a decade, the Center for Disease Control reporting. It's also among the longest since it started keeping records in over two decades. New cases are being reported now, 21 weeks since the flu season first started, because there are two different strains that surfaced at different times. The latest flu watch issued by Health Canada indicates a second smaller wave of the flu, H3N2, continues to be observed in Canada. A bride decided to change up her wedding engagement photo shoot with her future husband and instead have photos taken with her dying father. Becky Carey of Virginia told the photographer her dad, diagnosed with prostate cancer, wouldn't be able to attend the wedding as he was about to enter hospice care. And so she did the customary daughter-father dance early and wanted to capture the special moment. How's this for speed? 61-year-old marathon legend Joan Benoit Samuelson finished the recent Boston Marathon within 30 minutes of her winning time 
in 1979. She finished this month's grueling race in three hours, four minutes, better than she had hoped. Her goal was to come within 40 minutes of her first Boston win four decades ago. I don't feel like it's 40 years since my first Boston. I feel like I'm much older, but I don't feel like I'm 40 years old. Benoit Samuelson is a two-time Boston Marathon champ. Real-life ghostbuster Lorraine Warren, who inspired the Amityville horror and the Conjuring movies, has died at 92. Certain families can move into these houses, but it doesn't affect them. Other families can move in and hell breaks loose. Her grandson says she was happy and laughing until the end. Warren and her husband were world-renowned for their work studying the paranormal. I'm Bob Comsick, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. If you could read my mind, love, what a tale my thoughts could tell. It's a song you, many Zoomers, listened to growing up and can still be found right here on AM740, but it's also the title of a new documentary about the life, career, influence of the Aurelia-born superstar. On the line to talk about Gordon Lightfoot, if you could read my mind, our writers and directors, Joan Tassoni and Martha Keogh. Joni and I have been, um, we've known Gord for a long time, and we're we're big music fans, and we, we love to do... Um, music style documentaries. We both, I produced and uh, Joni um, directed the Junos for years, and we've met Gord, and uh, we're just big fans of his, and we also like him. We've, we've worked with him before, so it was always in our minds, but Gord never wanted to do it until a few years ago. That's when he thought, yeah, okay, it's time for this, and we're extremely privileged that he chose. Well, really, he chose Joni, and Joni brought me into it. How did you proceed after he agreed to do it? What was next? Well, we did a shoot in his hometown of Aurelia, which is seen in the film, to use as a sort of basis for a promo video that we made. So we spent a day with him in Aurelia, and that was, you know, in order to send to people to get funds and to to get the interest. And in, in fact, it did take five years to get the full funding. But he was very patient along that time. He... He said it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. The two of you wrote in direct, but how much did Gordon play in this? He was just very, very generous, but he didn't want any control over the film. He had said to us from the beginning, I'm ready to talk. And I said, you know, do you want to talk about anything or everything? And he said, anything or everything. So he's been very, very generous. And he, in fact, will not see the film until our premiere. Was there anything that surprised you most. Let's start with you, Martha. I can't say uh, that things really surprised me. I think it just intensified feelings and suspicions I'd have about Gord all along. My admiration for him as an artist grew immensely. Um, My empathy for him as a a sort of sensitive person inside um, with a bit of a hail fellow, well-met exterior. I think Joan and I were both impressed by his work ethic and that I was often to try to trying to get him to um, admit to a rock and roll lifestyle. And he was always saying, I was working, man. I went, spent 10 hours writing songs every day and everything backs that up. Joan, what about you? Anything raise your eyebrows about, uh, about this or during uh, the making of this? Nothing raised my eyebrows. It was more like she said an intensification of what we already knew of him. And um, 
again, we can't stress enough this work ethic that he has. Work just derives him. It fuels him and has all his life. And then when you go back and ask him questions about his entire life, that's the theme that comes through all the time. Were there areas that he kind of stick-handled around, to use the Canadian <laughs> analogy of hockey? <laughs> well, you know, Gort is an elusive individual and enigmatic at any time. And if you think you can steer him to a topic, uh, you are wrong. So, <laughs> But it doesn't necessarily... It's not necessarily because he didn't want to talk about it. It's because he's not thinking about it right then. We wanted something that really explored, first and foremost, his music and his... His artistry. Yes, exactly, his artistry. And and really uh, bringing to the attention of Canadians, you know, hey, we've kind of taken this guy for granted, you know. You ask him to write a song for Canada's uh, centenary, he writes the Canadian Railroad Trilogy. Like, he over-delivers Gordon Lightfoot. And, and I think sometimes Canadians have taken that for granted because he's just been so ubiquitous. So our main thrust was to uh, have a film that documented Gord now and who he is now because he's still very much an active artist, and that is kind of fascinating. He's 80 years old. What will the person listening to us see that they might not have known about Gord Lightfoot. And going over all his songs and his songbook were songs that were not maybe so familiar to people. So there are some of those in the film. But what struck me when I heard them, and as I got to uh, certain songs we decided to go ahead and use, even though they weren't as well-known, um, how that craftsmanship and that um, just that gift with words and uh, feeling and feeling came and through. melody, yes, and melody from the time he was a young man and was determined to be a songwriter. He 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 was only a teenager when he decided he wanted to write songs, and he did quality stuff that people are not as exposed to. And you know what? If it brings it back. People back to Gord's songbook uh, will be pretty happy about that. Those were Joan Tassoni and Martha Keogh, writers and directors of the documentary Gordon Lightfoot, If You Could Read My Mind. If you missed yesterday's showing at the Tiff Bell Lightbox, you can see it this Tuesday at 6.30 at Hot Docs Ted Rogers Cinema or wait until it's released in theaters this summer or catch it on TV later in the year. What's the first thing you do or say when you forget something? Do you ask, what was I looking for? Or, what did I come here for? Does it worry you? Or do you simply brush it off with a smile and call it a senior moment? A new American study has demonstrated that the secret to restoring memory loss, at least temporarily, could be through a series of brief, painless electric pulses to your brain. The study's author, Anisha Nilakanton of Northwestern University's Cognitive Neurology and Alzheimer's Center, joins me on the line. We had approximately 16 people participate in the study. They would show up in our lab and do a memory test with us, and then they'd get five days of stimulation to their brain. And then we'd do test memory testing after to see how their memory changed. Give us a little bit of an insight just how this was done. Sure. So, um, you know, most of the time when we think about our memory for every day, we think about where we forgot our keys or where we parked our car. So we basically created a test that mimics that that scenario, but in the lab. So participants would see objects 
appear on the screen at very specific locations. So they'd have to say, okay, the, those keys are on the upper left or the car was in the lower right. And then after a few minutes, we would show them the keys and ask them, do you remember seeing these keys? And then finally, where did you see them on the screen? After a few days, this fades or the recollection is not as good? So after 24 hours after the last day of simulation, memory was improved by about 30%. But we tested them one week later and their memory, there was some evidence that their memory was still improved, but it was much weaker. So where do we go from here? One immediate goal is to try to figure out ways to um, improve its efficacy. So can we stimulate for fewer days? Can we, or can we simulate for longer days to improve memory and, and have the memory improvement last? While we're very excited about the preliminary results, there's a lot more work, research, and science that needs to go into figuring out how to make this an actual treatment. There is a lot more research and a lot more medical centers and universities that are interested in developing ways to use stimulation to help with all sorts of cognition. And so I think with the collective effort, it might be sooner than, than we Do you feel that this is something that is definitely pointing in the right direction and in a direction that maybe hasn't received as much attention as it's getting now and as it will get? Definitely. I think probably within the next generation, we're going to be able to see more and more devices and technologies being developed to help with these types of cognitive problems. This study demonstrates that we can selectively manipulate brain networks to improve cognition. But there's so much more work to be done in terms of the different types of cognition. We focus on memory, but maybe it's possible to do this with other things like attention or language. And so there's really a lot of exciting work in this field about using non-invasive techniques to try to help us with cognition in general. That was Anisha Nilakanton from Northwestern University's Cognitive Neurology and Alzheimer's Center, also author of a study that found electric stimulations a promising development in possibly reversing age-related memory loss. That brings us to the end of this edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Bob Konsick for Libby Zneimer. Thanks for joining me. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, Faz Kazi, and Justin Eacock. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.